0: You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Part two of community. Uh, it's the series we're talking about uh, the importance of community and the importance of belonging Foundations for Meaningful Connection, and today I want to I I continue the series. Last week we talked about friendship uh, and the importance of friendship, and today I want to go a little bit broader and take you to the idea of community that Jesus came to establish. There's something very interesting about the Jesus kind of community that is unlike any other community, and I chose to title this message, Our Common Unity, yeah, Our Common Unity. Um, so we're going we're gonna to look into some specific distinctions about the kind of community that Jesus uh, came to establish. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read this scripture. This is going to be the foundation of scripture for this message today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it or you can follow on the screen. And it says, verse 13 says this. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is. He was talking about himself. And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others Jeremiah and, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh And blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. A very interesting exchange here between Jesus and his disciples. Well, let me ask you this. What comes to mind? What comes to your mind when you think of community? How would you define community? How would you describe community? Is this something that you like? Is this something that you are weary of? The word community is a very interesting word because in the past centuries, for the past decades, the word community has meant local Local people, a local neighborhood or a town. In fact, a large city wasn't necessarily considered a community. It was more considered a, a, a collection of communities. Because community is comprised of friends and acquaintances. People who know each other and share life. We have a few people here in our own church who I have, I'm convinced that they are connected to at least 80% of the locals. Because if you go downtown with them, it's like you're walking with the mayor, right? We have been here for about nine years now, and we know some people uh, through town and through mostly through the church. But you know, some of those people that we have here in our church who are part of our community, I bet that I could get a discount anywhere in any business by just mentioning their name. I don't do it, though, because I don't know if the discount is coming through fear or love. So i don't do it but (laughs) i'm kidding but why because stanford is a community and if you if you moved here from somewhere else and you brush shoulder with some of the locals some of the locals when you first moved you realize quickly man i'm an outsider but if you if you hang around long enough it gets awesome because you get to meet some of the local people. Of, of course, we, we have this outer circle in our town who are transient, right? People come in for a job contract. They stay for two, three years, and then they move on to the next thing. But there is this, there's this core in our community who is really tightly knit. And this is, this is what community has meant for the longest. Now, when you think about community... Is that what you think about? Because we talked about Stanford as an example of a geographical community, right? Like a neighborhood or a town, people who are in a community because of their proximity, because they share things together, like they share their costs, they share their taxes, they share leadership, they share their gym, they share uh, roads, they share grocery stores, they share the coffee shop, they share schools, parks, churches, and so... A local community has shares bene- uh, shared benefits and shared challenges as well. But for, for people in the Gen Z generation and younger, community means something different. And some of us who are in, in our 30s and older, I am in my 30s, okay? Just barely ending it, but I'm still there holding on for dear life. And, and if you're in your 30s or a little bit older, you probably had to adapt the, the, the meaning of the word community because, because of the internet. Relationships have ha- can happen now anywhere. I have a friend who lives in Sacramento, California, who I talk, I talk to every day, and I never hear his voice. But I talk to him every single day, and we chat, and we have laughter. I have friends in Houston, Texas that I talk to every day. And we chat, and we, uh, we laugh, and... We, we keep up with each other. Because we have this ability to have close friends in elsewhere because of the Internet now. And we can do that without even knowing our next door neighbor's name. It's so common for people not to know their neighbors now. What's interesting is that all sorts of communities have sprung up, right? And, and anything now forms a community. You have the vegan community, you have business community, you have jazz community, you have a Peloton community, you have the CrossFit community, which I have recently joined. We have the Call of Duty community. Is that still going on? People still play that? Remember like 15 years ago, it was the thing. I've never gotten into it, but... But then there are communities that you are placed in or you are identified as a part of that community and you never actually joined. Is just because of the way you look. Just because people look at you and say, oh, okay, you're part of that community. And it's the Asian community, the Latin community, the African-American community, the tall community. Yours truly. The immigrant community. The randomly selected by the TSA screening people community. <laughs> It's not so good, right? And all of these communities bring a benefit. They come together, and I, don't get me wrong, Like these are communities that have a benefit. They're coming together for a common goal and a common cause. But I am weary of some of the way that these communities are influenced and how they can be formed, and because I think this type of discrimination can be used against us. It's easy for you to put people in a group, because you can steer the group a lot better than you can steer individuals. Right? So people, people are rushly identified with a group so that their thought, their culture, how they shop, how they vote can be influenced by just identifying that group with a particular thing. But overall, the intention of these communities is good. But the church. What happens is we can get so exposed to these ideas of community that we can put Christian as just another category of all of these other things. And sometimes there's a category that comes under all of the the other things. But the church, the church is a community that is different. It's, It's of a different type. Those who call themselves followers of Christ. And maybe you're there, maybe you're not there yet, maybe you're just checking out the church because you need some hope in your life, and you need some faith in your life, and you wouldn't yet say that you are a follower of Christ. But you need to know this, that a church is a community of a different kind. The problem is that when people hear of church nowadays, they can think about all sorts of things but community, Right? People who hear the word church nowadays, they can think of organized religion. They can think of old ideas. They can think, associate the word church with a Sunday service, a, a Christian teaching, a place to get your prescribed dose of guilt. Charity, social work. And all of those descriptions are somewhat right. Right? They're somewhat accurate. It's, 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 it's a depiction that you can get from afar. Church is, in some ways, an organized religion. Scripture says in James 1.27 that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So we organize ourselves around principles. We organize. It's better to be organized church than a disorganized church, right? So we are, we organize ourselves around principles and beliefs. A church is a place for old ideas. But not because they are antiquated. They are old ideas because they have lasted. And there's something to be said about things that last. You can't just brush them away. There's something to be said about things that have lasted through the ages. They have with. Good. Church is a place for Sunday service, for Christian teaching. It's also a place for a little bit of guilt. See, guilt can be misused. Guilt can be used to manipulate. Guilt can be used to condemn. That's not the ways, the way that church is supposed to be. But you wouldn't want to be friends with anybody who doesn't have the capacity to feel guilt, right? We wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to have somebody close to you who has no ability to feel shame or guilt. As my Hispanic friends say, sin vergüenza. <laughs> you wouldn't want that. Because guilt has its place. It's, that's how we know we're supposed to repent. That's how we, we find out that we need to... Oh, I, I, this, I did something wrong here. I am sorry. Right? And, and so... The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to turn from our wicked ways. And a healthy dose of... guilt is a healthy emotion. It can be. And it's definitely a place for charity. Church is definitely a place for social work. It's actually part of the teaching of Jesus. But I need you to understand this, that the principal mission of a church is none of that. The principal mission of a church is not any of those things. And if you're part of this church, you need to know this. And if you're considering it to be part of this church, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. Or any church for that matter. Because when Jesus spoke those powerful words to Peter, when the first declaration that his disciples had that he was the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah... And Jesus said those powerful words. He wasn't saying, upon this rock, I will build my organized religion. He wasn't saying, upon this rock, I will build my Sunday service. He wasn't saying, upon this rock, I will build my charity organization. Or my social justice organization. Jesus used the word church which have lo- has lost its meaning through the ages. Church comes from the word ecclesia, which means simply a gathering of people, a community. Jesus used the word community. The coming together of people. In other words, he was saying, Upon this rock, I will build my community, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my community. And I will give my community the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And everything my community binds on earth shall be bound in heaven. And everything my community looses on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And if you, were, if you have been following Jesus for a little while, or maybe you have decided to follow Jesus, you need to know you're not following him alone. You're following him beside a community. You're supposed to be following him beside a community. This is not a walk that is to be done alone. Now, there are two things that we need to pay attention in the statement that Jesus made. So let's reread it. Let's let's get a part of that passage that we read in the beginning and, and read in detail what we need to pay attention. Verse 15, he said, he said this. He said to them, But do you say, but who do you say that I am? He's asking the question, he's posing the question. Simon Peter said. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Pay attention to that. But my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A lot of discussion and a lot of uh, uh, debate has, ha- has been had on this passage here a lot of theologians have tried to extract like what did jesus mean by upon this rock like what is he talking about first thing that we need to pay attention is when he says this rock what is the rock that jesus was talking about in that passage see some believe that jesus was talking about peter himself because the word peter the name peter means petra or stone so Jesus was saying, upon this rock, upon you, Peter, I will build my church. I've heard scholars say that Jesus was talking about himself. He was saying, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. But there's a third interpretation, which is the one that I believe is more accurate. Because it agrees with the whole gospel. And basically, we would, we would read this passage... Paraphrasing it like this. You were blessed, Peter, because you have received a revelation straight from God that I am the Christ. And like your name is stone, a rock, this revelation is the foundational rock upon which I will build my community. And the gates of hell will not prevail against those who have this revelation. Against those who understand what you have just understood. And who are part of this community. See, and that's what the church is. That's what the church is supposed to be. Everything else is a byproduct of this right here. Everything else that comes out of our community should be a byproduct of this revelation right here. And there are many people who don't understand anything about church trying to define and criticize and say what church is supposed to be. But let me make it clear for you, what church is, so you can answer and you can know. A church community is a community of people who have a revelation of Christ. You know who Christ is. And you you are looking to be like Christ and in turn reveal Christ to the world. A church is a community of people who have a revelation of Christ, who are looking to be like Christ, And in turn, want to reveal Christ to the world. So is church a charity? Absolutely, the church is a charity. Yes, we help others who look toward the brokenhearted to mend it. But we do it insofar as it reveals Christ to the world. We do it as Christ would have done it and as Christ does it. When we feed the hungry, the hungry, we do so to reveal Christ to the world. When we help the broken, we do so to reveal Christ to the world. We pray for people so that we can reveal Christ to the world. The life of God that goes out of us as a community is to reveal Christ to the world. Why would we take care of material needs and let their spirit starve? So we can't compare church to the Red Cross or the Salvation Army. It's not the same thing. It's apples and oranges. And those are great organizations. Those and other organizations are organizations that they they do great. But their mission is to gather funds and resources to make a difference in the world many times through material things to help people. And that's great. We support many of those organizations. We, We brush shoulders with them. But that's not church. That is not church. Church is a community, a community of people who have a revelation of who Christ is. It's important to highlight that. And it's important also to highlight that the idea of community that Christ came to establish is always elective. It's always your choice. You always have a choice to be a part of it. The word community comes from these two words, common unity. That's what titles the message. The word common and the word unity. And when you're part of a community, you you share a common unity with people who are part of that. And what the scripture uh, shows us is that Jesus modeled for us what is to have common unity with others. And a common unity is shared around our belief in God, faith, values, among other things that we can extract from the scriptures. But all these things are always elective, meaning it's your choice. It's your choice to be a part of it or not. And a community should always be elective. It should always be your choice. That's why Jesus began his community with the invitation, follow me. It's a beautiful invitation to take part in it. But it's your choice, always. So beware of anyone trying to build a community based on immutable characteristics. We've We've had a lot of hurt and pain in the world. We've had a World War II start because of it. In one. See, the world has a pattern and we need to be awakened to it. And the sun goes around and around, and the pattern always reemerges. The pattern of the world always shows itself and reemerges. And the world has always tried to divide the people amongst tribes. Tribes that are based on class, color, gender, education. There's always a category or some quality. That either qualifies you or disqualifies you. And you're either part of that community or part of that particular group or you're not. And if you're part of a particular group, you're not supposed to like the people in the other group. Or if you at least don't like the people in the other group at best, they will never understand you is what you're told. People in the other group will never be able to understand what you go through. See, Paul dealt with this constantly in the early church. In fact, racial segregation, ethnic segregation, gender segregation, socioeconomic segregation were not new problems. He dealt with it. We see it all over the scriptures. And constantly, this idea reintroduces itself in our communities, generation after generation, under new names, under new ideas. But once you peel the the cover, it looks the same. Because people have a tendency to have a group preference. People have a tendency to want a group together. And evil people with evil ideas will take advantage of that to divide the world. But if you follow Christ, this is what's important. You're part of a different kind of community. Your heart is committed to Christ first. Your heart is connected to Christ first. So even though we might be classified by the world, by a particular trait or place or A particular community that you might be a part of—you have chosen Christ, and because you've chosen Christ, He is your first community. He's the one who identifies you and informs you who you are. He is the one through through the eyes you see community. Galatians uh, chapter three, verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight says this. This is Paul writing to one of his churches. He says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. What does that mean? It means that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something very important about the kind of community that we are called to be a part of. Because belonging to Christ for these people that Paul is writing did not erase the fact that they were Jews that they were Greeks that some of them were slaves that some of them were free that some of them were males some of them were females see when you choose to follow Christ the world will still see you as the world sees you people will still see you the way they see you if you're a woman the world will perceive you as the way the world perceives a woman not the way Christ perceives a woman so in your, work, your, your places of work and in, in your schools, people will, might put some limitations because of that on you. They might objectify you, sexualize you. They might treat you as weaker or less than or, or simply because of your gender. That might happen. It doesn't mean that as brothers and sisters, we don't see that. It doesn't mean that that we ignore the challenges and what's happening in the world. What it means is that you don't live defined by it. What it means is that you don't allow those things to limit you. You're not a victim of those narratives and you are free because you are in Christ. And because you are in Christ Jesus, you get to live in this world, but see yourself and, and be part of a community that lives in the way of Christ. It's truly a new kingdom. It's truly a new way of life. It's truly a new way to commune with one another. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your gender. Any other category that might be deemed as a community today, whether it produces good or not, when you are called to be in Christ, when you're part of this community, what the Scripture is saying is not that you're no longer that which you are. Of course, you continue to be that which you are but what the world is saying what the what what the, the word of god is saying is that whatever the world has designed to cripple you to victimize you to terrorize you to divide you between groups that standard does not define you any longer because Christ has had a has a hold on you because Christ has a hold of your heart then the world's way no longer has a hold of you now you may still face discrimination you may still face what the world has to offer. But those things do not define you. So what defines you? What defines you is a revelation of Christ, is Christ revealed, meaning his way of life. His way to be human. His way to exist and navigate problems in the world. His way to deal with the enemy. With a person who might might think that they are your enemy. You are free from the chains that are trying to have you bound. That means also that there's no family curse holding you down. Those things that those thoughts that come to you and say, you don't come from the right family. You don't come from the right group. You don't come from the right country. You don't come from the right background. Those things no longer hold you back. nothing can hold you no discrimination can keep you from god's plan there's no pattern of this world that can define you christ defines you your past mistakes don't define you your past sin don't define you your criminal record doesn't define you your divorced or failed relationships don't define you what defines you is the life of christ because you are following jesus and you're part of his community because you have the life of christ in you you are now part of a new kingdom You're part of a different pattern of living. So how do you live this out? In the kind of community that has received this revelation, that has received the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? It's it's the way of life that is no longer like this world. And that's what we believe the Holy Spirit is leading us to live and and to have here in Stanford. A community that does not judge you, that does not hold you back, Because of any of the qualities that the world tries to put on you, that does not define you by any of those traits, but simply by the fact that you are a son and a daughter of God. A community that binds and looses God's way on earth. The kind of community that will surround you and will stop devil and hell in its tracks. See, many times we quote the scripture and we say, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. But the church is this disconnected thing. You know what I believe this means? It it means that when you are part of the connected community that God came to establish, you are not alone. You are not fighting hell alone. And I got to tell you, if you're connected to this church, we will not let hell get you down. We're going to be linked side by side and walk through hell with you. And we're going to get to the other side. The gates of hell cannot prevail because we're linked together by the love of Christ. And he sustains us. So the gates of hell can't prevail because we're a different kind of community. The gates of hell try to bring division because of the basis of this world. It doesn't stick because we are united by the love of Christ. And when you live this out, when this is how you live, with the revelation of who Christ is, you find true, true community where all of these things that, that... the world in our generation, especially these days, have tried to establish, to divide us, to put us in particular groups, they don't stick because we're we're followers of Christ first. First and foremost. We're followers of Christ. That means we're brothers and sisters. Everything else submits to that. Everything else comes as a result of that. And that's our common unity. The love of Christ that sets us free from the bondages of this world. And if we live this way, we can truly change the world. We can truly change our families. And so I encourage you today to get a revelation of who Christ is every single day and live in that revelation. Because when, when you have that revelation, the gates of hell will not prevail against us together. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen.